0: In verse 8, we see in Psalm 143 the following, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. I stand before you today grateful. Events that could have, and maybe might have turned out tragic, beyond belief have become reminders that God is with us. Are you living grateful today? Are you one of those who complains a lot or do you offer positive comment on things in life? Do you fear the worst or expect the blessing? Are you finding God or disgruntlement in your day-to-day adventure called life? I pray today that this is a wake-up call on your life's snooze alarm if you have lived in the down and outs of negativity and short-sighted living. As most of you know, the prayer chain was activated when news about Dale and Aaron came. Was on the scanner before that even happened. When I got the call, I I became scared. I was south of Memphis uh, eating in a restaurant in South Haven, Mississippi with my sister and my wife. At that moment, I felt hopeless, so far away, and even if I was there, what could I do? It had happened. I needed in that moment Psalm 143 more than I needed the next bite of food I was eating. We got the news. We redirected our route to Nashville. And when we got there, the ER doctor told us Dale came in with an, an arterial burst, bleeding. Blood was pulsing out with each pump of his heart. Emergency procedure was needed to save his life. It would be close. It would be dangerous. They had to hurry. He was life-flighted there for a reason. It wasn't done without thought. It was done because it needed to happen. The ER doctors and nurses knew what they would find when they looked. Units of blood would be needed and on standby. It's a foregone conclusion on on an arterial burst and bleed that time was of the essence of life was at stake. The slice and burst artery had to be mended. They went to work right away and worked on him nearly four hours, his life in their hands. All of this started before I even got close, before I could do a thing other than pray but the prayer chain was activated long before he ever got close to Nashville. I want to share with you this morning that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood though. Bigger forces are at play here. Bigger forces than any emergency room doctor or nurse were working on. Emergency room doctors and nurses were working on both Dale and Aaron. But it was bigger than them, and they didn't know it. You see, i got to tell you, and you probably know this, it's an it's a obvious logical thing, the storm clouds of wickedness are always gathering around us. Sometimes they hit close to home, sometimes they hit right at home. It's not one person who destroys or ruins things though. It's the prevailing winds of wickedness that blow and the demonic evil that is so pervasive in our world. Especially when godliness is no longer in play and, shall we say, human will is going unchecked. Some discredit these things as being demonic or evil or wickedness. But they do so at their own peril, because it's real. Even Galatia, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter six says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness and high places and forces of evil. We are not wrestling a person here. We are wrestling something much bigger, and we can't see it. So we want to put something visible onto the struggle. A lot of times we talk about the devil and fighting the devil. But the truth is, we don't fight the devil. The devil's already defeated. We live from victory. We are not up against an enemy that can defeat us. Several years ago here, I preached a message about uh, the enemy can only rise up to fail. He has no power in your life over you or anything about you. There is no opportunity for the devil to win because he's already been defeated. The only thing an enemy can do is show you how big God is. That's the only thing he can do. He can't destroy you and tear you away from God's hands. He is not allowed to do that because you belong to a God much bigger than the enemy. So I share these things with you because the events of this past week Not just that, but other things that have happened in our world and in our society make us think that somehow or another the evil and wickedness in this world is bigger than God. That things happen to people who don't deserve it, to little children and things like that. And it seems unfair, unright. And it is. And I'm losing battery. You'll have to turn this pulpit one up a little bit. one's dead. Sorry. As we look at this world and all the things in it, we say, well, God's not making a difference. If it were so and God was winning, then why is all the bad stuff happening to good people? One of the greatest selling books of the 1970s was Rabbi Kushner's When Bad Things... Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Sold millions and millions of copies. And his answer was very simple yet revealing in that it's random. Mm-hmm. Bad stuff happens to everybody. It's random. You don't go, it just happens to good people, it happens to everybody. Sooner or later, we all have problems and struggles. And so, something, somehow, some way in us needs to be different than this world somehow we as believers in Jesus Christ have been gifted blessed and instilled with a power in us that is greater than any power that this world has do you believe that Amen. Do you know that we are to live basic? Now, basic, as I put in the bulletin, is believing authentically starts inspired change. A belief, when you believe it, changes you. It is a scientifically proven fact that the neurons in our brain start to reprogram when we believe something. If we just kind of think it's a good idea, that does not happen. Our brains do not get rewired. Now, I'm going to shock some of you with this statement. Your relationship with Jesus Christ will change you or it does not exist. If you want to argue that question of that statement, you don't know who Jesus is. There is a distinction with Jesus Christ in you than without Him in you. The God of all the universe is living inside of you. How is it even possible to be the same when that happens? No way. Thinking about the events that happened this week, there was a man under the influence, Is the best way I can say it, wickedness and evil and other things, It caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. But it caused something else too. It caused it to you. Mm -hmm. It caused it to me. It started fervent prayer. Prayer because we know and love these two men. And we wanted God to do something because we knew if He didn't We couldn't. And we stormed the throne room. We did that. And we did it. We didn't stop until we heard news. And then we still didn't stop because recovery is ongoing. And we're storming the throne room. So, wickedness happened, but prayer happened following. The army of God's prayer warriors and non-prayer warriors who needed to pray started praying in one accord. It took 120 praying in the upper room to get the uh, Pentecost. (laughs) Imagine what hundreds of people through Facebook and prayer chain started in heaven. Just imagine. See, I'm not angry at the man who did this. I feel compassion on him because he doesn't know this kind of God. He has to put things in himself to feel like he matters. He's stuck in wickedness. He needs grace. He needs forgiveness. He needs transformation. He needs Jesus to be alive in him so he doesn't need something else to make him feel that way. And this is what I believe. That this happened is a call to action by this church. You say, well, why this church? Because it's our people. It's not some other church we're talking about in Texas or Colorado or California that's happened to. It's happening here. It's not close to home. It is home. Wickedness had to show us how bad it really is and how real the battle we are facing is so he wouldn't sit idly by and go, well, someone else will pray for him. Wickedness happened. Right. Amen. That man who did this is one of the 400. Obviously, one of the 400 we've been talking about. God got my attention Monday night. And he had to use wickedness to do it. They say, you're not done yet. you got a lot more people out there. You're resting on laurels. You can't do that. Did God get your attention? Did you help storm the throne room on their behalf? Wickedness brought forth the people of God. Why is it we can't join up for good stuff as quickly and start storming the throne room with fervent, effective prayer. Amen. It's the kind of prayer that says, God, you got to do something because we can't. We don't know if the doctors can, but we know you can. That's the kind of prayer it is. It's a desperate prayer. It's a prayer that God, if you don't, nobody can. Show your power, God. Show what you can do. Imagine. Oh, imagine, church. Oh, imagine this. Imagine if we were that fervent about the mission that God has called us to. Wow. I'm telling you, a church in deep prayer fervently changes the world. Now, how do I know this was a wake up call? And not just some random event of wickedness like Rabbi Kushner would have said. Because I said earlier, they worked four hours on Dale. I don't know how long they worked on you, Aaron, but it wasn't a minute. (laughs) It was a while. They had to work. Scared as we were, you'd lose. And we don't know what's going to happen, but we're thankful that God's in the healing process. But it's a familiar scene in an ER with an an arterial burst. They've seen him before. The bleeds are not something rare. But between the time he arrived and the doctors got deep into Dale's arm, something happened. The artery was not bleeding, knit, but not bleeding. It was intact. This is not medically possible mm-hmm. for a pulsing wound to all of a sudden stop when it's an arterial burst. Or is it? Amen. Amen. <coughs> Nobody has to tell me. Nobody had to tell my wife and I pray saved Dale's life. If we hadn't done that, he wouldn't be here. Not one prayer did it. Many. Many for a common purpose, cause, and idea. And belief. Not just an idea. A belief that God could. Many here in this room stormed God's throne room on his behalf and Aaron's behalf that night. People were praying. Do you hear me? People were praying. Amen. They were praying intently. And we must. God has given us an example of how He works. Prayer works, but you got to be fervent and consistent and desperate. God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. God, if you don't reach the people around us here who are broken and still lost, it won't get done. Bring us up. Raise us up, God. Do what you got to do. But by all means, God, do something. And if we have to do it, we will. But there's not a whole lot we could do but trust that the doctors knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And that God had the answer already. Mm -hmm. Do you think your prayers are not effective? Have you felt that way before? Mm -hmm. Your prayers are effective. Amen. They work. But we need to unite in a common prayer. Do you think it won't make a difference what we do here as a church today? Oh, well, you know, there's not as many as there was at Christmas, Pastor. I don't know. The effective prayer works. This church, as a call to prayer, Or what about what you say today? Do you think it will make a difference? If Jesus Christ is in you, what you say has the authority of Jesus Christ behind it. If you're destroying with negative comments and saying it's going to be the worst, the power of God is trying to stop you from doing that so you'll put some power out there instead of some negativity and trying to combine forces with the wrong side. Were you praying Monday? I'll tell you how bad it was for me. My wife can attest to this. We were listening to a, a, a book on tape. And I said, we got to put it back on because I'm just freaking out. I'm going crazy here. I, I can't do nothing. All I can do is drive there and go as fast as I can go. But I still, once I get there, I still can't do anything. So I'm just going to drive and pray. And she got a phone call, and and here I am, in my thoughts. Oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to do, God? What are we going to do? And finally I said to my wife, can you please stop that call so we can put the story on? My mind's going nuts. And so we put the story back on, but my mind's still, God, what are we going to find? How's it going to be? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What's next? So in those questions where you wonder if your belief matches your faith, who do you think Jesus is, really? What's too hard for him when you pray for him to do? I don't believe we're done praying like that. I think we learned how to pray a little bit Monday. I think we're just getting started as a church in prayer. It's a foundational. It's a core. We have the Rogers family. Lawson Thursday. uh, Sherry. The Christmas flight. uh, Aaron and Dale recovering. The man who... uh, Who, uh, now has to live with this and the other people involved who have to deal with that. People who are hurt about it. There is a lot of prayer needed. But not just, God, I hope you take care of it type of prayer. God, you gotta do something. And God, if you can use me to do it, use me. That's the kind of prayer you gotta pray where that if God can do it and you can help, that you're saying, put me in. That's the kind of prayer. The kind of prayer we prayed for them was, God, I can't, You gotta. The prayer we gotta pray now is, God, we can and You can but You gotta put us in the battle. Put us up there on the front line, God. That's desperate prayer. If you don't pray like that, not a lot happens with you. You're not saying, put me in. You're not saying, I want to be a part of this. You're saying, the storm clouds are all around, God, and I'm going to stay inside so I don't get wet. Mm -hmm. God, please do something. Change it. Put me in. If i got to be a part of it, I'm going to be a part of it all the way. I can't not. If there's something I can do, let me be a part of the solution. Fervent prayer works. We know it works. We saw it work. We heard it from the doctor in the ER say, why is this not an arterial burst? I asked them a question. I said this very question. I know he had to be life lighted here, and I looked at the people in the ER room where he was laying there. And I, maybe Dale remembers this question. It was, I said, "How many units of blood did you have to dump into him? Do you remember me asking that? Do you know what they said? No. He didn't need a single unit." Amen. Jerry said there was Dale's blood all over the concrete. There was blood all over the room and he didn't need a single unit of blood. Do you think prayer works? Amen. Amen. I know it does. Oh. I saw it and the people in the emergency room can attest to it. And I believe Ginger as a nurse can say, yeah that uh, that doesn't happen. If it does, Ginger, it's a miracle. I've been reading Psalm one forty three this week. It's a really good read. He says, Give gives ear to my supplications, God. And in your righteousness, don't judge me, for in your sight nobody is righteous. Don't answer me because of my righteousness, answer me because of my desperation and because of your goodness. The enemy has persecuted my very soul. He's crushed me. He's made me dwell and try and drag me into darkness like those who are dead. And my spirit is overwhelmed. Do you hear desperation? My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, God. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. The good old days when it wasn't so tough. Now I spread my hands out to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty lamb. God, I'm empty. I'm needing you. God, I need something. In verse 7, answer me quickly. God, my spirit is failing. Don't hide your face from me. This is a prayer of a desperate man. I don't want to be like those who go down into the pit and never come out. And then verse 8, cause me to hear your loving kindness. For in you, only you can I trust. Cause me to know the ways in which I should walk. I lift up my soul. Deliver me from the enemies. I take shelter in you. Teach me to do your will. You're my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me for your name's sake, for your righteous sake, not my own. Bring my soul out of this trouble. In your mercy cut off what the enemy is doing and destroy those who are afflicting my soul, because I serve you. I serve you, God. There is no other I would serve. It's interesting how God works. I've been reading the story of Elijah and Elisha in first and second Kings this last couple of weeks. And Elijah is a great prophet. The prophets of Baal Mount Carmel. The drought for years until he spoke again. Running ahead of chariots. Elijah was a great prophet. And Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion of what he had so Elisha could carry the mantle as a prophet. And Elijah gave stipulations. He said, if you see me taken up, it will be so. And through a series of events, Elisha went with Elijah. And at one point, a chariot of fire came and picked up Elijah and took him into heaven. And he'd asked for a double portion, but he didn't know. He did not know because there was no opportunity yet for him to use it. So how do you know when the power and the authority of God is on you if you don't use it? So there came an opportunity where he had to travel. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Elijah spread wide the Jordan River when he and Elisha were going to the different places. And they came back and he spread it again. Did you know that that happened? That God divided and they walked on dry land four different occasions up to that point? Red Sea, the Jordan River, and the Jordan River two more times with Elijah. Well, Elisha's traveling and he comes across that same flooded Jordan River. And he looks at it and says, I need to go across this. And and it's his first act as a prophet, right? And he goes, I'm going to tap this and see what happens. And this is what he said. Where is the God of Elijah? And he taps it and spreads wide. A fifth time, God spreads the waters. He's getting good at it, I think. (laughs) We only talk about one or two of them. You didn't know it was five, did you? No. Five times God splits the river and sea. Where is the God of Elijah? Where was He? He was with Elisha, double portion. <laughs> and what He did after that was quite amazing. And I'll let you read that for your own accord. But I want to ask you this question this morning. Where is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Today? Where is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God? Where is He? Mm -hmm. Where Where is He? I'm calling out with calm assurance knowing where He is. Mm -hmm. He's in me. I know it. And I know He was with Dale and Aaron (laughs) and He's in them. (coughs) I know it. I don't think... Probably, maybe, sometimes, I know it. Amen. There's no question that Jesus Christ is here. The God of Elijah and Elisha is here. Our prayer unlocks the potential of what God wants to do. Mm-hmm. And in believing that, with full assurance, authentic belief. Starts change. In your brain, in your heart, in your actions, and in the world. But you can't have a half baked faith and get a full baked Jesus. <laughs> and that's the truth. Storm clouds always gather, my friends. Always. They're always waiting for opportunity. The devil, always looking for opportunity to tempt Jesus, even when he was tempted, said the devil left and looked for an opportune time. This morning, the devil is still looking for opportune time. Storm clouds are still gathering. But my question is, are you standing on an authentic faith belief that says, Storm clouds do what they want and who's been inside of me. God's got this and He's got me. No matter what, God's got me. But if He doesn't have you completely, then your life won't reflect it. And you'll do things of your own accord. And people will know that your faith is not authentic. I don't know why I have no earthly explanation as to why the wickedness that happened has to happen for us to draw close to God. But if it does its job and we're now in church fervent at prayer because of what happened to my friends, they'll say praise God. If this community and this region will be transformed because of what happened to them, more power to it. They're not bitter about it. They're not angry as far as I can tell. They're just thankful to be here and grateful. They are grateful. I'm grateful here today. I'm living thankful before God as I started this message. I think my first sentence was, I stand before you today grateful. Events that could have and maybe should have and might have turned out tragic beyond belief have become reminders of God with us. Would you pray with me? God, we, uh, we don't ask for more reminders. We ask You to stir up the gift in us. By the power of Your Spirit upon us, pour out Your Spirit on us, Heavenly Father, that we'd be a fervent individually praying people in church, Heavenly Father, with a common prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Heavenly Father. That we would be a part of Your kingdom that's coming and Your will being done. And everything else doesn't matter compared to that. So, Heavenly Father, I ask as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, may You prepare us for communion. Amen.